Hello and welcome to an episode of Beyond Friends, a podcast through her eyes. We are your hosts, Mindsy, Peng, and Sunny. Today's episode is going to be a heavy one. Before we get started, I just want to honor the space and time that we're in right now. Today we'll be talking about the rise of discrimination against Asians, the recent shooting of Asian-owned spas in Atlanta areas, and as we move forward, please take care of yourselves. To start off, we need to provide some definitions and data to add context to today's topic. These information are from academic, government, and community sources. The first term for us to discuss is hate crime. A hate crime is a traditional offense like murder, arson, and vandalism with an added element of bias, such as race, religion, disability, sexual orientation, ethnicity, gender, or gender identity. Next term is model minority myth. Model minority describes a minority demographic whose members are perceived to achieve higher levels of success and education than the average. In the context of the U.S., Asians are considered a model minority. This myth creates a narrative that erases the reality of systemic racism that affects Asian communities. It's what many would call a positive stereotype, a seemingly positive position, yet still harmful stereotype. It also pits communities of color against one another and perpetuates oppression Olympics. Okay, so what is oppression Olympics? Well, it is when oppressed communities compete to determine who has it worst. While it's important to acknowledge communal and personal injustice, oppression Olympics create division rather than focusing on the root cause, white supremacy. That brings us to the term white supremacy, the belief that white people are superior race and therefore dominant. This excludes and demeans non-white people. The next term is white adjacent, a minority who utilizes and sometimes benefits from white privilege. This is accomplished by distancing themselves from the socio and political problems their ethnic group commonly faces. They usually consider themselves better than someone with a similar ethnic background and minorities who possess a darker complexion. Hate crimes towards Asians is rooted in white supremacy and it didn't start in 2020, but was influenced by Trump's racist rhetorics of Kung flu and Wuhan virus. This moves us forward to our statistics from StopAAPIHate.org. In 2020, they received 3,292 reports. In 2021, they've received 503 reports. The hate incidents reported to the center represents only a fraction of the number of hate incidents that actually occurred, but it does show how vulnerable Asian Americans are to discrimination and the type of discrimination they face. These type of discriminations range from verbal harassment, shunning, physical assault, online harassment, and civil rights violation. The trends from this data shows businesses are the primary source of discrimination following public 
in online spaces. Women report hate crimes 2.3 times more lightly than men. Youth under 17 years old and elders 60 years and above make up 18% of these reports. From these incidents alone, in Minnesota, there have been 42 cases report. Discrimination towards Asian is nothing new and the rise of hate crime is a painful reminder of the model minority myth and the lies white supremacy feeds to our communities. About a week ago, there were mass shootings in Atlanta areas. The perpetrator is a white male who murdered eight people, six of which were Asian women. When I learned about this hate crime, I was disgusted and honestly devastated. Sunny and Peng, what went through your minds when you first heard of it? Yeah, I can go first. Um, it was actually, you know, when I heard about it, it was, it felt very numbing. Mm-hmm. Uh, I felt very, very like, what the hell? Like, no, like this can't be it. And then I also felt like, it, it felt like, I don't know. Like it, it, I don't want to say like it was meant to be because that's not how I felt, but I also felt like um, this was coming. Mm-hmm. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. And that's that's how I felt, and I feel like that's why it felt numbing in a way. Yeah. And also previously before that, there was a article um, that was released by a um, a Hmong writer who's pretty well known in the Hmong community, um, addressing um, her issues with the Black community. Mm-hmm. And as I was still trying to process that article because I read it, um, and like the comments that were the comments and conversation that was being brought up from that article. Um, two hours later, the reports of the um, shooting happened, and I think, to me, I would I just feel like that was just a lot to process, and I didn't know how to continue mm-hmm. from it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. What about you, Pink? You know, when I first heard of it, honestly, I'm gonna be so honest. I did not hear about it until the next morning. So it happened on a Monday evening, and um, I don't know. I was just not on social media. I was just not really into uh, what was going on and so monday evening was just like another day for me and then tuesday came along and my day just started off normal just working and um and then i got a text from a co-worker uh asking me how i'm doing and i was like what what what's uh, what does he mean and then so i looked into it and then i uh i read about it i'm like i was shocked honestly i was like what is going on um, basically, where has this world become? And I was trying to process and I was just trying to like understand what's going on. And I wasn't trying to form any opinions yet because I didn't know what was going on. Basically, I when I first heard about it, I, I did feel disgusted and I felt very sad for the uh, victims because they are, were all victims from all walks of life and just going to uh, a place for like their mas- a massage and being basically gunned down like animals. And so I was just very devastated by what happened to them. And I honestly did not uh, get to process everything and let my emotions sit in until like a couple of days later and for me to learn more about what happened. And then I basically just bawled my eyes out while working. That's totally relatable. I will say that, like, 
this incident, it wasn't. It, it's just so much has been happening, just around the world, like lately, and then especially in America with you know racial injustice and stuff like that, and then in terms of hate crimes. Or discrimination against Asians in the U.S. Mm-hmm. And so it's just been a lot, you know. And then on top of COVID, on top of everything like that, there's just been so much of an emotional toll for me personally. And I think that this specific incident of the Atlanta shootings, there's so much to unpack in mm-hmm. it because, you know, there's like people saying, oh, this isn't a hate crime or maybe, oh, it's a hate crime, but it's not against Asians, it's against sex workers or, oh, like, why are people talking about race? It's not about race. It's about like um, gun violence mm-hmm. and stuff like that. And so it's just like multi-layered and it's a lot to process. It's also like overwhelming because, you know, just like the conversations on social media and within like the media, like the news and stuff like that about allyship and solidarity mm-hmm. with the Asian community and um, stuff like that. And so it's definitely been overwhelming as like an Asian American woman to be seeing and hearing all of this news. And I agree with you, Sunny, like it's numbing, but at the same time, like, and for you paying, like it, it's definitely taking a few days for me to continue to process things. And like, even now and today, like just continuing to see these types of violence towards people, it's it's so hard to continue to process that. And I I was, I agree with Sunny too. I, I was numbing it. I did not realize that I wasn't allowing myself to feel all the feelings I was feeling. I was just like suppressing my feelings just so I can go through the day, get through the week, get through work, get through working out, that I didn't allow myself to like really sit in with pain. What's bothering you from this article? What is bothering you with what the chief said? And what is bothering you with like, oh, he was just having another bad day. Mm -hmm. Like that doesn't justify the horrible actions that he took from having a bad day mm-hmm. and i think in one of the articles earlier i read was um he was trying to eliminate what was driving his sex addiction mm-hmm. and i'm like okay what does that have to do with the asian women that were involved and what does that say about those that were involved right i think what is most painful about um uh, I don't even know what like what what do we call it like this murder this incident yeah I don't want to say it's incident because it's not like mm-hmm. yeah y'all he did it right like, <laughs> he, he, and I feel like it was like he did plan it you know like he went to multiple places he kind of had everything kind of thought out and I I think the painful part is like what you're saying Mansi of like it's not hate crime towards Asian it's hate crime and, and I'm, I'm like why is it everything else except Asian mm-hmm. and I feel like that's kind of what we're talking about too is like why like you know like Asians have this um like this this time I'm, I'm seeing now is like the invisible minority mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, and also just like that we've seen that Facebook post uh, of the person that cross out um, stop Asian hate crimes to stop white supremacy like we understand white terrorism white terrorism mm-hmm. but we understand that the, the root cause of it is white supremacy and I feel like the fact that it's not uh, Asian hate crime equals white terrorism white supremacy and it's becoming an elimination of the Asian like 
the hurt is caused to the um, Asian American community and like the fact that people are still denying it just makes it hard to process because I feel like you're in a constant you're, you're like for me I feel like I'm like yeah it's an Asian hate crime and then I'm like but is it? Mm-hmm. But I'm also like why do I need other sources that are majority white media to validate my pain? Like yeah. you know and I just feel like that's kind of like my experience as being an Asian American woman. And even the term Asian American is so hard for a lot of mm-hmm. us to grasp because Asian American is such a, a whole different ecosystem where we're living with oppressors and oppressed, you know, and we're we're having mm-hmm. to navigate that. Yeah, even and, within the culture right. itself. So, yeah. yeah. I, I totally echo that, Sunny. That's why I said that it was like overwhelming to all of a sudden like you know quote-unquote be the spotlight in the media about these injustices because in a way it's almost like we asian americans haven't been put in that spotlight sometimes or that often and um because because people frame asian americans as the model minority it invalidates the struggles and it invalidates a lot of the hardships that we go through in this white america and so when when I saw stuff like the cross out of hashtag stop Asian hate replaced with um, approval of a hashtag stop white terrorism, it made me question like, so where where do Asians lie in this in a way, you know, mm-hmm. and how are we being seen? How are we being heard? And that's actually why, like, for me, this whole past year with the rise of discrimination against Asians and COVID, I've been processing that all year. And it's been difficult to process because I kept feeling like, do I have the right to feel this way? Do mm-hmm. I have the right to feel sad? Do I have the right to feel like my people are being targeted. Is it true mm-hmm. that my people are really being targeted because the narratives or these stories that are coming out are, um, it's it's just a small select group of people shedding light on it. And then I also have the questions about like, what is going behind the scenes of these narratives and who is creating them? Because a lot of the times what I saw was just people posting about um, the discrimination and attacks on Asian people were being caused by black people. And so for me, that's like alarming to me because I'm like, is this really the only thing that's happening here? And where and who's coming up with these, or like who's who's bringing these stories out, you know, and stuff like that. And so, like I said, it's just like a lot to unpack, mm-hmm. but then at the same time, because of like the model minority myth and because of, um, People often invalidating the Asian American struggle. Mm-hmm. I sometimes just felt like maybe is it right to feel like this or like maybe mm-hmm. I can't be feeling like this. Yeah. Maybe I should just keep going. And for me, that's really unfortunate that even for someone like me who is an Asian American, it took something as tragic as the shootings to finally let those emotions really sink in mm-hmm. and to finally feel them too, you know? Mm-hmm. And to finally feel almost validated. Mm-hmm. 
And I, I'm just going to play like a devil's advocate on like the cross out of stop Asian hate crime and replacing it with some uh, with stop white terrorists or stop white supremacists, supremacy. Mm. And like, I, I think I think that comes with good intentions, like uh, behind of why they did it or why that started that trend started going around. And it's like more of like, you know, the bigger battle. The bigger battle isn't one a one um, community of minority versus another community of minority. It's more like the overall struggle that we are all facing, which is racism. And and what is the root of all of that? And it's, it's a lot with, with everything that we're battling in the, this society. And so I think that there was good intentions behind it. Behind it. Um, but then, um, like everything else in life, um, it's it can be taken in lots of different ways in lots of different directions. Pink, I would say yes and to what you said about being devil advocate. Because mm-hmm. um, I feel like I feel like what a lot of Asian Americans, what I I'm saying about that is that um, it's like why can't we hold both mm-hmm. and be? It, it, it sounds kind of like when a murderer kills somebody and they blame it on his mental health not on gun problems it is like it's like what like if the real cause of it is mental health but then his action was because our lack of gun control like why can't we hold both to it mm-hmm. and it almost sounds like we're we're just putting the blame on mental health because mm-hmm. we don't have a good enough mental health system to um, help folks who are in need of it without making the pain that he's caused valid Mm-hmm. You know, for me, I guess it's just kind of like it's the the hashtags can be yes and it doesn't have to be either or. Yes, right? I and agree. that's that's the problem for me is that people are making it seem like it's an either or thing, and it further perpetuates the erasure of the Asian American struggle and like the discrimination mm-hmm. that Asian Americans are facing, especially now in the wake of COVID and things like that, because. Um, yeah, you know, like, of course, it should be stop Asian hate. It should be stop white terrorism. It should be stand for Black Lives Matter. It should be support um, indigenous peoples. It should be, you know, all of the above. But And understanding that the root of a lot of these issues and the racial tensions going on here is white supremacy. But it doesn't have to cross out anyone. It should be including all. Mm-hmm. And, like, and, like, yeah, I get it. There's that common denominator of white terrorism. But the experiences and the different, yeah, the specific and different experiences that Asian Americans are facing today shouldn't be invalidated mm-hmm, because right. of that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I agree. And see, previously you you had a mention about like, um, like, like who in the media is crafting the story of Asian Americans, right? And I think like. I think, you know, we live in a, like, yes, we are Asian American, but from under there, we are Southeast Asians. From under there, we are Hmong, right? And I feel like the narrative that America has created about Asians, we have to admit that it's mostly East Asians. And then we also have to admit that because of the rise of crazy rich Asian or the impact of that into um, modern society and um, House of Ho and um, Blank Empire, it further perpetuates the model minority minority myth by saying like these are rich Asians these are privileged Asians who don't have issues so then we are on like two different spectrums of being super rich Asians highly educated 
um, owning, like, you know, being, being billionaires mm-hmm. or we are thugs. And, you know, we can see that with how they're deporting a lot of Southeast Asians, to mm-hmm. be honest. And also, like, just the portrayal of Hmong people, right? Like, we are either in the news for being murdered by each other mm-hmm. or being being murdered by a white person or being murderers ourselves. And I, I think it's it's that, like, that portrayal of being, like, a very extremely negative or extremely positive that I feel like for non-Asian people, it's hard to see Asian people, and I don't mean, like, using this term, but, like, as quote-unquote victims mm-hmm. of crimes because of white supremacy. And I feel like some of them are also being like, well, you kind of deserve it for, you know, coming to our communities, taking our stuff, and then leaving to a better white community while we're still left in the dust, mm-hmm. you know? And I feel like that that pain is valid, but I don't think that hate is valid. Like, I'm speaking for Hmong people. A lot of Hmong people who are placed in these black and brown communities that were very, mm-hmm. very low income, um, they weren't placed there by choice, you know? So I think it's it's also that that has to be acknowledged if, like, the system has placed, like, poor poor folks together and like we have to we have to we have to also accept that as a truth you know Mm -hmm. but i'm not saying that like we pulled ourselves on the bootstrap and we're allowed to move on i'm not saying that and i hope that's not taken that way wait can you summarize your point again yeah so so i'm saying like i feel like asian americans have been portrayed as extremely violent Uh uh-huh or um, vultures of like black culture and um, because of the privilege of being mm-hmm. white adjacent, mm-hmm. and I feel like we we've put we've been put in those two extreme categories. That when hate crimes are against Asians, it almost seems like one we deserve it, or two we can't really be victims if we are so privileged to mm-hmm. be seen oh. as the next white person. Oh, okay. I did a little research on like Asian hate crimes or discriminatory acts towards Asian and uh, I think in Pew Research Center uh, they said 3 out of 10 Asian Americans since the rise of COVID has experienced a racial slur or a racial joke and you know we have a pretty decent sized friend group and you know I think about us and I think about like uh, which one of us has experienced it and which one of us has like kept it inside and like not only us but then like thinking about our family we have pretty big families right uh so i just wanted to ask you two if y'all wanted to share or um share things that you've noticed about that yeah i okay so this these two incidents happened to me um one was just me one was when i was with my sisters and this was when probably around like may april may or june and masks weren't mandated yet mm-hmm. and so um the first one of the incidents that happened to just me was i was shopping at walmart and i was with a few of my siblings but at this moment i left on my own to go look for something and then as i was strolling through the toys and games section i saw a family of three it looked to be a grandmother and two grandsons and um none of them were 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 wearing masks but i was as i was walking past them you know I'm just like 
gave a friendly smile because I just was like, hey, I acknowledge you. You smiled with your mask. Yeah. <laughs> I smiled with my eyes. Perfect. <laughs> so to them, but then right as I made eye contact with the grandma, because the, the two grandsons, they were just like goofing around and being like, grandma, can we buy this toy? Can we buy that? And like, and that was like leading up to when I got closer to them. And she was just kind of like, no, no, like, you know, stay still, stay, in, stay by the cart and stuff. And then when I made eye contact with the grandma and was starting to walk past her, she looked at me and she said to me, or she said to her two grandsons, watch out, coronavirus. And for me, I like, that smile disappeared real fast because I just stared <laughs> at her and my eyes followed as she kept walking past. And like, it just sucks because sometimes when those type of things happen to me, like, I'm not always the one to hold my tongue, but, you know, mm-hmm. when sometimes things like that happen to you, you don't even know how to respond right away. Right. Because it's not necessarily, like, blatant racism and discrimination, but it's just kind of like, the fuck? You know? And so, <laughs> to be honest, in that moment, I was really heated. And I didn't know what to do or what I wanted to say. So, in my head, I was just, like, calculating, like, oh, my God. Should I throw this toy at her? Yeah. So, I actually... Um, Because we were pretty near the end of the aisle. And so when after she said that, I probably took like three steps and I was like, bitch. And then I circled back around on the other side of the aisle and I actually followed them in the (laughs) store for a little bit. And I was just staring at the grandma like, did you just really say what you said to me? Mm. Like, I didn't say that, but I was just like, because in that moment, I didn't know what to do except for follow her and stare her down. (laughs) (laughs) And so... That was one of the incidences, and that was at a Walmart near where I live. And mind you, let me remind y'all that I was wearing a mask and they were not. Mm. And so that especially kind of made me irritated because I'm like, girl, if you really cared, like you would be taking these safety precautions more seriously, you know? So that was one incident. The second one was at a Target, also near my house. And so um, me and my three younger sisters were shopping and we were like minding our own business. I think by by this time, masks were mandated. However, there was still the, um, you know, like the scavenging for toilet paper oh, and yes. paper towels and stuff like that. And people were still going sh- crazy while shopping and stocking up their items. And so like you can just see the franticness and people as they're shopping because the store was actually really busy and people were just like looking around and like shopping kind of fast and there's this one particular person who I perceived as a male white male Mm -hmm. he was turning the corner of an aisle and he didn't see my three sisters and I since he was turning the corner really fast but as he turned the corner he almost like bumped into the three of us the four of us and we're just like oh excuse us but then he, like, looked so startled. Like, literally, he, like, rolled his cart back a little bit and just stared at us and, like, swerved away. And we're like, okay. Like, like he looked at y'all like he saw COVID in Yeah, <laughs> like, he was so scared, y'all. Oh. I, I was like, damn, bruh. And, yeah, and so he was, like, definitely keeping six feet away from us. But then later, as we were checking out the register, he was literally standing right next to this other white cashier and, like, talking freely and smiling with her mm. as if he didn't have a care in the world mm. and so I was just like hmm interesting I don't know if it was about us in particular about you just needed to get your shopping done or what but you know it, it makes you think like was it us or was it a you thing mm. I mean at the end of the day it's probably it's a, a dumb thing, thing. yeah mm. whether it's about our race how he perceived us or not so mm-hmm. yeah Damn. what about you too 
Oh, you know, as you're like telling these stories, like I'm just like, damn, am I just like oblivious to like things around me that I just don't really notice things when like I'm walking to stores or like when I'm just like all by myself and that like I just don't really notice when things happen to me that I'm as perceived as like uh, racial slur towards me. Uh, and so maybe I'm just like just too much in my own world that I'm not noticing this. I'm sorry, it might be kind of bad because I should be sur- I should be aware of my surroundings actually. Um, but I could think of one incident. Um, I shouldn't say incident. One uh, situation, mm-hmm. and actually I didn't even hear it. My sister did, and so it and it wasn't really necessarily a racial slur, but then more of like. Um, I, don't, I, th- I think it was just insensitivity. There we go. Um, and it was when my dad, when we found out, first found out that my dad um, tested positive for COVID. And uh, my my family was just very stressed. And my mom was really stressed because uh, we had to go, like, they just had to go buy more, like, more cleaning supplies and, like, um, isolate my dad because he um, he ended up having pneumonia as well and result to having COVID, too. So he was pretty in pretty bad shape. Uh, not too bad where he needed to be hospitalized, um, but pretty rough enough. And I remember I went over to my parents' house and then I dropped off uh, some supplies for my family and then I dropped it outside of uh, like our fence. Like I had a mask on, my sister had a mask on and my sister came out to pick up the things. And there was just like these two uh, young men and the, oh, sorry, this was like in July. Yeah, cause my dad tested positive in July. And these two young men, they were walking on the street and um, I was kind of talking to my sister and um, they said something and then my sister was like, the fuck? Bitch. Mm-hmm. And like she she was like saying that. I was like, what's wrong? And my sister was saying, like, did you hear what they said? I was like, no, what did they say? And then um, my sister told me that they basically said, like, oh, they look they uh, they're wearing masks, they have COVID. And um, the other person just basically said, Oh, um, just kind of like be be cautious, basically. Mm-hmm. And I was just like telling my sister, you know, like don't be, don't, don't worry about them. Like honestly. Like, you're not going to see them again. And, you know, it's whatever. And I was basically just trying to, like, tell my sister to kind of brush it off, basically. Mm-hmm. Because, like, don't let that bother you. Don't let that get to you. And, and but that, I could tell that really bothered my sister. And I was thinking in the back of my head. I was like, girl, we got to take care of dad. Like, the, like, they are the least of your concern. But then I also think, too, like damn like was that a situation of like a racial uh, situation too and or was that more of just like just being just being the the result of a family who went through um a, a family member who had covid which is totally not about this topic but being isolated and being alienated for having COVID and feeling so much guilt or feeling so much pain and um, pressure from having had it too. Mm-hmm. What about you, Sunny? When I think about it, I don't think I've had a lot of instances, mm-hmm. to be honest, because I am actually a very fearful person. Like I, I think when COVID hit, like the stay-in-home order first happened, I was just like, yep, 
not gonna walk my dog gonna stay inside <laughs> you know and I think even before that I already had a fear of like I think just a fear of like as, as a woman and knowing my knowing knowing how people perceive me already as an Asian woman you know like perceiving me as like exotic or like or like oh I wanna like try to get with you know like like mm-hmm. seeing me as like kind of like a quote unquote like easy target like already knowing that I already had like fear walking alone mm-hmm. even though my neighborhood is you know predominantly um senior citizen like white senior citizens mm-hmm. um so like those they, are the scary ones right but if they chase <laughs> really? me hopefully i can run fast enough <laughs> <laughs> but yeah um but i remember a instance of me talking to a family member mm-hmm. about um why i don't walk my dog and i told them that i don't walk my dog because i'm afraid and they were like they told me basically kind of like what you were saying to your sister of like mm-hmm. uh, well like forget about those people uh, they basically told me that like you shouldn't live in fear mm-hmm. and I felt like that was uh, for me it was so invalidating too the fear I was constantly living in yeah. and she just be told like don't be scared I'm like thanks <laughs> yeah like I <laughs> I love not being scared <laughs> like obviously <laughs> I think about that I mean and you know I think about uh, the last time we all hung out as a friend group in March when we were celebrating paying your birthday and another mm-hmm. friend's birthday and we went to go I-, I think I might be reading too much into it but we went to go eat at a restaurant and we had this one waitress who wouldn't take our picture. Oh, yeah. You guys remember that? She just wouldn't take our was picture. Was it our picture or was it utensils? No, so it was utensils. This was, was back utensils. in 2020. Yeah. It was kind of both because we, we handed oh. her, her our phone. Oh, yeah. One, yeah, one yeah. of us handed our phone to her and she wouldn't touch it. Yeah. And she kept walking past. But she was our waitress. Mm-hmm. So she was the one who was serving us. Didn't she make her co-worker come and take her it Her co-worker. Us? And her co-worker was a person of color, I think. I don't remember that I don't detail. And I, I got so upset that she wouldn't take our photo. Yeah, I remember that. You were pretty upset. I was just like, why are you avoiding? It, it, it was, like, for me, the fact, like, she could have just say no, thank you. But it was the fact that, like, she... It was very passive. She looked at our phone, at, at whoever's phone we handed to, as it was disgusting. Yeah. Oh. And I was just like, I'm a... I don't know what I gotta do, <laughs> but I just felt so upset. What do you also need back? <laughs> yeah, I I don't know. I think that was the first because I even at like that little brunch we had, we were talking about like like some of us we were kind of like we had a cough, but mm. we were like it's seasonal allergies, but we were joking that like oh god like because I work in a like all white place and I'm the only Asian, I'm afraid they're gonna think I have COVID. Mm-hmm. You know we were joking about it, but that's also a reality that we yeah. a lot of us are facing. You know. Yeah, for sure. For me, like, when y'all were talking about fairs and even before, I think even before the America was really willing to accept the reality of COVID here, late February of 2020, I actually flew out to Ohio for Mm. grad school interviews. And that was like, I think... Do y'all remember when the first COVID cases were reported here? Wasn't it in mid to late February? No, I don't think so. I think it was in March. I think it was like an early March. That's right around the time that I left for my interview. And I just remember feeling so paranoid because of all the reasons before COVID, just being a woman, woman of color, Asian person, um, flying by myself, traveling by myself in a predominantly white and, you know, conservative areas. Mm-hmm. I just remember leaving with a lot of fear mm-hmm. and then on top of my fear of like COVID. And I was seated next to white people. And I, I just remember being like, I really hope they don't think I have COVID. Mm-hmm. 
and stuff like that. And so, um, yeah, that was actually, yeah, I remember that too. And then my mom and I, we were actually having a conversation about a week ago in the car. And she was just telling me how at the stores on two different accounts, she's also felt like kind of discriminated upon because, um, in one of the stores she was in, another customer was telling her to stay back. Mm-hmm. And I don't know if that's just because they wanted to do like the six feet rule or not. I mean, obviously you should. So I don't know the context of that. I wasn't with my mom. And then another time she mentioned was when a cashier didn't want to take her, like take her, ring her up. Mm-hmm. But then like as she was ringing up with a person of color, she saw the white cashier ringing up another white person and so she was just speaking out her frustrations to me and she's like you know Lindsay if anyone does that stuff to you y'all don't be afraid to say anything if you feel like you are safe to do so feel free to like speak out and y'all should speak out don't let people like belittle you like that Mm -hmm. if it was me I would have definitely spoke out but I don't speak English and so I didn't know if I would be taken seriously and I didn't know if I would be hurt Mm -hmm. and when she told me that it actually actually like it made me oh my god why am I getting emotional it made me like feel um I didn't even know how to process that because it just reminds me about how like a lot of especially vulnerable people are getting targeted for these attacks and if it was my mom like it would be so hard for me to even handle and like I would be filled with so much rage and anger and like sadness and so like to even know that my mom was experiencing that and to for her to feel like she didn't have a voice because she doesn't know how to speak english after you know everything she's been through here it's it's just yeah it's it's fucked up yeah Mm -hmm. yeah 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 i yeah i think about my mom when she like when she lectures us and uh, she's always like, man, if I knew English, I would say this and this, mm-hmm. you know? But I think, and also, like, for her, when she, when she says, like, people look down on me because I can't speak English, but if I could, y'all wouldn't even be able to say shit. And I think how true those two things are. Um, but I also want to say, like, I think the reality, too, is that, like, they want to say stuff, but at this... I feel like at the end of the day, we're just going to be like you might see we're gonna stalk that white person and <laughs> yeah, scare them down yeah. because it's like, like it's almost like fight or flight sometimes you don't know yeah. what to say you're just like so like how do I even respond to this mm-hmm. dumbassness mm-hmm. yeah cause I feel like we're at the same time like I feel like the reason why so little of these discriminatory acts towards Asian people are like underreported is because we're constantly like questioning is this a is this something hateful or is it something stupid, you know? Mm-hmm. But it might be both. And I feel like because we're constantly questioning ourselves that, like, we, like, we just, at the end, we hold it in, you know? And I feel like that's also, like, similar to, like, well, that's how, like, I was brought up, you know? Mm-hmm. It's, like, if it's not a big problem, then don't say anything, you know? Like, the saying, like, pick your battles. Mm-hmm. But I don't know. I feel like sometimes, like, when you don't pick your battle, like, you end up holding it in, and it manifests in a different way. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I think by that time that it's become something very toxic, you don't even know, like, where to start mm-hmm. because you've held it in for so long, and it's a mix of random stuff. Exactly, Sunny. So when do you know when to fight a battle? If you're constantly being told, you know, be 
don't fight that battle. You know, um, keep your peace. And it's okay to not fight that battle. I do want to also say too, and um, even though we talked a lot about situations and the rise of the pandemic, like of course there's been a previous right. situation, previous experiences of uh, racial slur, and I do not want to dismiss that even before the pandemic that me myself or like the Asian community have experienced it too. Um, a situation that I could think of multiple occasions, but then it's not more like it wasn't like such a escalated or very big thing but i don't know about y'all but i've gotten a lot of like a lot of comments um i dated outside of the culture i dated a black guy and like he would tell me sometimes like what his friends would say about like oh um maybe i should try to get an asian woman too and uh, i'm like why like (laughs) why do they say that and and it was more of like because um Asian women also have that persona of like being caretakers, being nurturing. I'm like, what the fuck? I guess, but I'm like, they're not, we're not all like that. And, and that sometimes that does bother me, but then, um, what, but that's not really like the Asian, uh, racial slur, but it's like stereotype for sure. I think that's really, uh, what you said, Ping is, I don't know. It makes you think of the shooter in Atlanta. Mm-hmm. And it makes me think of, like, did he have that um, ideology of Asian women? Mm. Is that why he was seeking sexual services uh, and massage parlors? Because we know that there's that, uh, you know, that quote-unquote happy ending that a lot of, not a lot, but, like, the, the stereotype of, like, these um, places, like, these massage parlors offer. I don't know. I think, like, given the comment of, like, oh, I should date an Asian woman because she's mm-hmm. nurturing and stuff, it also just give me, like, makes me think, like, what do you think about women in your community? I actually saw this post on Facebook where it shows a couple of an Asian woman and a black man together. And in that picture, it has text saying that, like, black men will choose women who are, like, less than in the way that they're less dominant they're less like they're more passive they won't challenge them Mm -hmm. and like they're not as real quote-unquote with the men and that was a really interesting post for me to see because i think there's a lot to unpack there Mm -hmm. like one is like what is the stereotypes against asian women is it that we're you know again docile that we're like caregivers that we're nurturing that we are fetishized and exotic that um you know all of those things but then on the other side of things it's also like what has brought black women to feel this narrative or like to feel this type of way and how are um women being pit against each other yeah and i think like the same way we're saying that um these hate crimes are rooted in white supremacy we have to see that like this anger towards another woman is rooted in patriarchy and is is really uphold in a lot of like the elders in our community mm-hmm. and uh, in a lot of the women in our lives. And I think, uh, you know, I also just want to like talk about the point of um, these four Hmong sisters who recently passed mm-hmm. from um, being murdered by their partners. Is that also how, like you're saying that like, they're docile or like Asian women perceived as docile or very passive. So is that why violence against Asian women are more swept under the rug or not as commonly said? Uh, 
because you know and, mm-hmm. I, and I'm saying like I'm, I'm not saying it about like um, non-Asian men and Asian women I'm saying like Asian men like Hmong men you know um, causing this act towards Hmong women so I just feel like uh, a part of that narrative, narrative lives within our community too you know yeah yeah and I you know I wanted to also highlight a conversation that's been happening in our community, which is uh, there's been a lot of conversation of like putting the blame of uh, the rise of Asian hate crime on the black community. And I feel like it's really unfair to create that narrative and roll, roll with it. Um, because we understand how black folks are per- um, perceived through media. Mm-hmm. And also through, you know, just through, um, like, prejudice that we all hold, you know. And I feel like it's unfair. And I think I think we have to um, acknowledge that not only are we seeing a rise of Asian hate crimes, but we're also seeing a rise of Asian Americans owning their voice and speaking up. And I feel like that is, a lot of that comes from the credit of seeing Black Lives Matter and Black folks speaking up for their and um, just telling telling society that we are important and we are valued and, mm-hmm. you, and you're going to see our value. Yeah. And I feel like that has inspired so many Asian Americans to also do the same. Mm-hmm. You know, I feel like some of them missed the mark right, with the yellow square we saw <laughs> or that you saw mine see. But I feel like uh, that is a lot of the things that we like we have to give credit to where credit is due. Yeah. But I also don't want us to be hijacking mm-hmm. the hashtag sh- say her name or um, hashtag Asian Lives Matter. Because mm-hmm. I, I think yes to do- both of those, but at the same time, remember where it comes from mm-hmm. and respect that. And don't, you know, like you can create a different hashtag with the same powerful meaning. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 Not I, o- go ahead, Minty. Okay. <laughs> I was just going to say not only that, but. Um, yeah, definitely feel feel empowered and stand in solidarity with other communities because, you know, it really gives you the courage and it really empowers you to feel like you do have other people who are standing with you and you mm-hmm. do have the support of others. However, I will say that like um, on top on top of what you just said, echoing what you said, just because you feel empowered by another community don't expect them to also um be the ones who are going to make the change for you because for example like right now i'm seeing a lot of people talking about how like oh they're calling out black people to stand in allies like to become allies with asian americans or like oh we're all the black people to stand in solidarity with asians and there's a specific focus on black people being there for Asians whereas like it's interesting because we're not seeing that narrative about other communities too Mm -hmm. and so for me as an Asian American I'm kind of wondering like what are these other Asian Americans thinking and why is that why is there specific emphasis on that Mm -hmm. for me it kind of perpetuates again like the oppression Olympics and it Mm -hmm. also perpetuates how how transactional and how performative social justice and solidarity becomes Mm -hmm. because um, you know like when people are oppressed, don't expect them to just because they know how to fight their battle, come and fight your battle for you. Right. You mm-hmm. got to be able to learn how to fight your battle. Also, yeah, you got to be able to navigate that. But also, like, it's OK to, like, want to have the support of others. But um, again, 
yeah, don't be expecting handouts from people, mm. especially when like you have a lot of work to unlearn and do with yourself too. Yeah. Yeah, and I just want to um, I agree with the both of you, Mancy uh, and Sunny, and it takes a lot of um, it takes a lot of courage uh, to even stand in the first place, and then to it takes a lot of courage to then make that move yourself. Mm-hmm. And uh, I do I to- agree with you, Sunny, that um, the the voices that that Asian American has been able to find has been really empowering from um, the Black Lives Matter movements and uh, for our our neighboring um, communities and stand together in solidarity. And this is more of like a, it's not a you fight you battle, it's more of us together fighting what this, the biggest thing that's against us is. Yeah, I, I also wanna, you know, I followed this the scholar Instagram, I wouldn't say Instagram influencer, but I guess she runs her platform to be perceived as an Instagram influencer. And her Instagram is how not to travel like a basic bitch. And, you know, a month before all of this happened, a an elder was actually murdered in, I think, LA. And it was a Thai elder, a Thai grandpa. She kind of started a trend of writing 10 letters to 10 non-Asian friends. And she wanted them to denounce um, anti-Asian hate and also to put that on their platform. And then she said for her viewers to also do the same if they're Asian. And if they can't think of people who, uh, if they can't think of 10 non-Asians to write to, think about why, um, why that space has been created in that way Mm -hmm. and why that conversation is not allowed. And I, I think that kind of goes to me when I think about a lot of Asian folks who are like, I stand for Black Lives Matter. I marched in those protests. I cleaned those streets. Why aren't they doing the same to me? It's like, you could have, like, I think it's great that you, you did that. But what else have you created in your space that has not allowed uh, non-Asian folks to speak to you about mm-hmm. Asian, you know, Asian issues? Yeah. Mm-hmm. And also, like, even if you march the streets and everything, like, did you ever, like, what else did you do, you know? Like, what else did you do except march the streets, yeah. you know? And I feel like, I, I don't want it to sound like you have to justify yourself um, to get the support, but I think you also have to hold yourself accountable in um, the support you, you actually gave and the support mm-hmm. you thought you gave, you know? Yeah, because it's like, it's essentially like, if the only friends you are going to and willing to make are Asians, of course you're not gonna see that narrative of like other folks supporting you, you know? You're only gonna see what you see and you're only gonna see the hate that's being shared on social media and stuff like that. So Mm -hmm. you definitely have to like reflect on why that is and think about I, I mean that doesn't mean like go freaking just make a bunch of friends for no with no like intent or anything mm-hmm. like that like be be intentional and be like um yeah, yeah yeah be intentional about the things you do but also reflect on why things might be like that or why you're only seeing those things too right Friends, today we have already, you know, talked a lot about like different experiences, our personal life stories on around this big topic of, you know, uh, social justice and the 
um, Asian American identities and um, the big situations that has been happening in our communities. And I just want to make sure that you are both, you know, taking time for yourself. And how are you taking care of yourself? Yeah, I think that's that's like a really hard question for me, Ping. Um, I recently wrote in an email to a mentor of mine about mm-hmm. how I've realized that I've been mourning in silence for mm-hmm. over a year. And I think the reason I've been mourning in silence is because I don't know how to properly grieve loss. And I think it's just it's not just lost towards like my community, but just like lost in the world. Um, and you know, I, in in episode one, I talked about writing a story, uh, a new play. But the reality is, I haven't written, uh, I haven't written a play for about a year now, mm-hmm. because I think it's too hard to talk about talk about my life, and it also feels like. Uh, a constant struggle of wanting to own my voice and use it, but also having to decenter myself every time I want to use it. It feels like a, it feels really hard to do. So I'm still trying to figure out how I'm taking care of myself because I think with the just the recent losses, I'm just realizing how little I I've taken care of myself because mm-hmm. how little I devalued my voice for a year now so i don't know i mean i've been crocheting so i think that's a decent thing but yeah that's um, a start but yeah mm-hmm. what about y'all for me i'm in a similar boat as you sunny i am still learning how to honor my feelings and yeah myself and my voice in these times of situation it's really hard. It feels like one thing after another. And it continuously feels like, you know, things aren't being in the works. And it it makes me feel hopeless a lot of the times. But I, I just, yeah, surround myself by empowering and encouraging people. Because I know that um, this hopelessness, when I feel hopeless, it's just white supremacy in the works of mm-hmm. you know silencing me and making me do nothing and so um i just surround myself by empowering things and people make sure i take the time i need to stay off of social media or my phone or like the news like it's important to keep up with the news but honestly it's just tiring sometimes so when the atlanta shootings happened i actually had to get off of social media for some time and then I didn't get back on until I felt I was ready to prepare myself for what the news I was gonna see um also you gotta like pick and choose what you look at especially when you're gonna be on social media so for me sometimes I don't look at the comments on posts because I know it's just gonna be fucking draining Mm -hmm. and yeah and then of course a few days ago like i asked our group of friends to see if anyone was available and down to talk because i just didn't know how to like process my feelings and i just wanted a community and space and so finding that is helpful as well yeah yeah i'm i'm the same um i'm still trying to figure out exactly um, how taking care of myself looks like and i realized too it depends on it depends on what it is, to be honest. Mm-hmm. Uh, like sometimes, if it's and exactly too, like how does mourning look like? How does grieving look like? It comes in all shapes and sizes and length of uh, duration. 
And I realized that crying actually makes me feel better. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and uh, it, it lets me release uh, emotions. And I'm not like, when I cry, I'm not, it's not because I'm sad all the time, but it's just like, you know, you're frustrated. And, mm-hmm. and sometimes when you just don't have the right words to really describe how you're feeling, like I feel like tears and crying is already enough enough nonverbal communication for someone to understand mm. that something is there something is is going on mm. and uh, I do I for like something I do do to take care of myself is I do uh, I do journal mm. and um, right now speaking I'm not journaling and I'm I just recently moved and so I've just been pretty pretty busy and occupied uh, but then when I do journal, it's very uh, therapeutic. I journal about the moment in time and space that I'm in. And when I do have time to go back and read those entries, it gives me some hope. And it rem- it's a, a reminder of like, oh, damn, I went through that. And oh, damn, that's how, that's how I came out of on the other end. Because I feel like as you're going through life, um, sometimes what you, went, what you went through last week is... Um, occupied in your memory with what happened yesterday and so I feel like for me specifically my mind can't keep everything that has have happened in the last five years so writing it down has has been helpful for sure we recognize that this was a heavy topic but it was a much needed conversation for us I hope that as we continue to navigate tense environments we take care of ourselves and others If you heard anything in today's episode that may have been harmful to you, please don't hesitate to email us so we can educate ourselves. We've also created a public Google document with data and statistics about the rise of Asian hate since COVID. You can find the link to the document in our social media bios. Thank you for listening to today's episode. If you have any questions or want to tell us your story, you can shoot us an email at teambeyondfriends at gmail.com. If you like our podcast, please share it with your friends and give us a rating. You can also follow us on our Instagram or Facebook at teambeyondfriends. Until next time.